Uh, thank you. Thank you, Alina, uh, Alina for joining me. Uh, I guess maybe because this is my first podcast live, I would like maybe can I just introduce, uh, just kind of kind of go introduce myself first. My name is Edward Mbeche. I'm the founder and CEO of Helen Technologies, like a super app uh, we're developing. And I have my guest, Alina, and we're just going to be having a conversation, um, kind of talk just different uh, experience uh, uh, with Alina. Uh, we're from working from ADP, Toys R Us, to real estate investing. And so, yeah, we're going to have fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, Sounds good, Edward. Thank you so much for inviting me to this um, live event. Appreciate it. No problem, no problem. And maybe um, we can jump in, um, just kind of introduce yourself, your background a little bit. And um, you, you can go anywhere, really. Like you can just be like maybe where you're from or, or where you live or uh, to like uh, what you have done in the past and, and what you do now. Sounds great, and thank you for that, Edward. Um, so I came uh, to United States from what used to be at that time uh, Soviet Union. It's been almost thirty years ago, a long time. And at that point, I was deciding what to do next. I came to the country with my mom. We were poor immigrants, and I needed to um, find a job to support us. And second of all, I needed to get an education. Um, so someone told me that, hey, you're good with numbers, you'd be good in accounting. And I basically um, went along with that, um, mm -hmm. got my degree in accounting from uh, Baruch College, which is part of City University of New York, um, worked as a tax accountant, uh, tried it in private and public world, didn't really like that, and decided to try myself in a completely different industry. And I went into the world of information technology, where I had a successful 20 plus career um, with job that ranged, uh, ranged from different things, from doing uh, business analysis to project and product management and so forth. Uh, but the main objective of all of these jobs in information technology has always been to kind of connect the two worlds, the world of business and the world of technology and help them to communicate with each other. And that, turned out to be a valuable skill because um, while I was working, I was also noticing that the tax brackets were growing for uh, myself and my husband. And as a former tax accountant, I kept thinking to myself that I should find um, a way to um, minimize our tax implications. And so real estate kept coming up. And when I finally decided to take action, and do my research and find out what kind of real estate investing we can do. Um, I came across this passive way to invest in real estate through the so-called syndications. Um, and I took a leap of faith, uh, invested in one, and then the um, snowball effect uh, happened where I invested in the second, third, and so forth, and invested in a bunch. And after doing that for a while, and sharing those details with my surrounding, my coworkers, friends, family, I um, realized that uh, almost no one had ever heard about this passive way to invest in directly in real estate, save on taxes, build wealth passively, and essentially do it without no interruption to your day-to-day -day life. And yeah. out of it, 
the idea of my own company, Sama Financial, was born with the whole purpose of helping other people to essentially follow my footsteps and um, do what I've done and created for my family. Um, invest in real estate, do it passively, save on taxes and uh, make an impact on the communities. And so um, through SAMA, I've been educating um, and helping a lot of people to get to become sophisticated real estate investors and start investing. Um, and then when pandemic happened, I uh, lost my W-2 job. Um, I decided that I'll uh, stay in real estate full time. I no longer need another job at, at that point. And, and that's what I did. And in that journey, um, a friend of mine introduced me to um, Mike Zlatnik, who is a fund manager for TF Management Group, and uh, he manages real estate funds. And Mike invited me to join his group and help them to spearhead investor relations, which I also do in addition to spearheading SEMO. Um, and I still continue investing. Uh, I still continue helping people in various ways uh, to passively invest, build their wealth and uh, make an impact on other communities. And uh, through the journey and by being active on LinkedIn, um, I met you, Edward, which uh, was a blessing. It's It's been my pleasure to get to know you better and your surrounding and um, to hear about your journey and how you bring in Helen to life. It's really um, amazing. I'm really impressed with what you've done so far. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure meeting you. So, let, let's see, like, um, hopefully maybe kind of trying to bring kind of like value to people, maybe kind of um, maybe either there are people who are founders or uh, we, we can, let's talk about like uh, product management and kind of marrying this, this product and kind of business side. And then we're going to jump into real estate. So maybe can you go deeper into product management? What exactly is product management? Uh, in your way explaining it sure uh so product management is all about understanding the business users pain points and and needs um it's knowing uh what questions to ask and knowing uh how to create a product that serves those pain points and uh, accommodates the needs of the business users um, business, uh, the, the product managers work very closely with marketing folks and with IT folks and marketing folks help them to see what's going on in the market, what's currently popular, what the competitors are doing, while the IT folks are helping product managers to bring their idea to life. And the way they do it is through uh, constant iterations and a number of working sessions by working together and understanding how do we solve this problem. So because here's this user A that has problem B and he needs solution C. How do we marry all of this together and create that product? which essentially is nothing more than SaaS, software as a service that services the clients and gives them the solution that helps them, number one, uh, um, solve the problem, number two, save their time so that they can spend that valuable time um, on creating and designing more products and working on improving the products or uh, the functionality that's already there and continue on um adding more and more, uh, bringing more and more value to their clients. 
Okay. So like a bridge between uh, like the tech and the marketing. But um, in terms of um, just kind of, I guess, I guess like what I'm trying to understand more with this. So you translate what the customer want and then to, you translate to the IT people like, hey, this is a feature you should be doing. This was needed. And then, so is it like more, not necessarily just the, the, the marketing people, is it like market research type you're talking about kind of? Marketing people do more of the market research and uh, look up at the competition. Product managers do more or of the business cases. For example, uh, let's say LinkedIn existed, but LinkedIn didn't have the live stream. So how do we bring the live stream, make it live, allow users to share it with their network and make sure that the software is available later. So uh, product managers create business use cases based on these requirements. They say, make it live, make sure it's uh, shareable, make sure um, that it can be saved in a XYZ storage for the later. And these requirements then go into the IT team and the IT team needs to translate this into the software itself. Now, mind you, IT when we say IT team, it comprises of the architect, developers, uh, UX designers, uh, sometimes business analysts too, and then uh, QA folks, quality assurance people that can test, make sure that the software works. So uh, there are multiple uh, components, if you will, of this journey that um, the ideal client goes through before the product for this ideal client is created. But product managers are essentially the ones that connecting uh, what marketing people are finding out from the outside world to the end result, to what the IT folks uh, will be delivering as, as the end result of this um, life cycle journey. Okay, okay. Do you end up as a, as a product management person, do you end up also touching base, not just the marketing uh, department, do you end up touching base with like maybe branding department also kind of overlay that information kind of like how is that, um, you know, in terms uh Branding uh, is more of an aspect of the UX designers and social media managers. Uh, product managers, uh, for the most part, concentrate strictly uh, on the use cases. What are the issues of the end users, of our own end users, and how do we solve these issues? What do the users need and how we give them that need and some more to make sure that this uh, uh, solution that we're giving them is user-friendly, easily accessible, and cost-effective. Because as, as you know, Edward, everyone's looking at the cost right now. Like, yes. What are the costs associated, associated with the solution? And will these costs justify us investing in this solution? Does it make sense for us? Um, and so that's where the product managers come in. They um, make sure that uh, their solution is matching with the requirements of the clients and mind you clients typically don't define the requirements nobody's gonna come in and tell you i want this live stream i want this that they just say oh i have this problem i wish i could go live through social media platform but i can i wish i could save this recording but 
you know, all they say is, uh, I, I wish this existed. Um, think of product managers sort of like the people that have this magic wand, that take the magic wand and translate it into the points um, that need to be magically created by the development team. Okay. And in this also, like, let's say, take example, like, like uh, what we're developing. Is this so with the product management? Is this like a one time, like, okay, you you translate that between the marketing and the and the IT department? They design what you're looking for. It is like, okay, that's it. It's good now. Is it like ongoing thing? It's always kind of thing. Or is this a one kind of? Thing? It's it's ongoing. Um, let's take an example. Uh, let's say you're going to a wedding. Um, and you start thinking, okay, do I wear a white shirt or a blue shirt? Do I put a tie or no tie? Maybe I should put a bow tie. And and you're constantly going through that. Okay, now what shoes are matching? What pants are matching? Do I wear a suit or no suit? So you try different things and you try to match um, to see uh, until the point where you find that perfect outfit. Okay, this is what I love. This is uh, this looks great on me, and that's what I'm gonna wear. Why? Because of the, you also considering conditions outside. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is it sunny? Is the temperature 40 degrees or oh, yeah. 89 degrees? Is yeah, it yeah. humid or non-humid? So all of that you take into consideration. Is the wedding outside or inside? Same happens here. When the product is delivered first, it's still more or less raw product um, that always can use enhancements. So by shipping it back to the end users, you continue obtaining feedback from them and hear from them. Okay, um, it's okay, but the, um, you know, the bandwidth it's made on, it, the life aspect is not streaming well enough. Make it more enhanced. Or I need the buttons to save it, to share it, or maybe bring more invitees immediately. So add those buttons. Or I don't like the background. I want to be able to do like facial features to so add the facial recognition as well. So you are constantly iterating. That's why the process is called iterative because you're constantly going through a number of iterations to continuously improve this product. And guess what? Once this one is improved, mm -hmm. then you move on to the next um, use case. What else clients need? How do you solve that other problem that they have and, and help them to improve this other area of their business need uh, through the software? Does this help? Yes, it's ongoing thing is like as long technology is changing and people's needs kind of thing. So it's always kind of kind of just keep keep going with it. Yep, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's always ongoing. But for startup, when should they get a, a product manager, hire a product manager? It should be in the beginning, it should be once they launch the serve the company and how that works. Edward, great question. I think the earlier the better because a uh, product manager essentially is the one uh, who is helping you to uh, identify what are the end user requirements are. Um, it, it's not in marketing or technology pe people expertise to understand that. Technologists such just that their mind works based on the requirements that are given, but someone needs to give them these requirements. And um, in some companies, what I've seen, uh, the role of product manager has been uh, more or less overlapped with the role of business analyst. You can overlap, you can merge them together and have them do the same thing, but you do need 
that one person or maybe a team of people, depending on how, how much requirements you need to solve for your end users. But you, you, you need essentially that expertise that will help you to connect um, the uh, end user requirements with what the development team is creating on the end because um, so someone has to put that connecting link for them together to understand because they're not speaking the same language. There's this human language and then there's this IT language and yeah, someone so needs to create that uh, bridge between the two. And it, so with this, uh, by, by bringing that person like in the early stage, uh, so they, they still need the marketing department though, right do they still need the marketing person so they can kind of bounce ideas still kind of be absolutely yeah. absolutely marketing role uh does not have overlap they do work together jointly because marketing people typically do the research uh, on a competition they do the research of what the end users are looking for they also do the research of um you know to see uh, how we can uh, go beyond the competition and what what else can be done. But I would say they work closely together with product management, uh, not not an overlap. So both roles are needed and both roles are serving uh, completely different purposes. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's 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 switch a gear. Let's go. Let's go into real estate. That's the good thing. So. Um, in the real estate, when, when you say it took you a while to kind of just kind of going back and forth and end up, you end up kind of start doing it. When did you end up starting, like emerge more deeper into real estate? Was this after the pandemic or did you start slowly, slowly? Great question, Edward. So um, I have a family and with the kids, um, I wasn't willing to uh, just give up uh, my W-2, uh, you know, it was cushy, comfortable, and um, I didn't think I was at the point where I can just do that. So I started investing first, then I started my company a few years later, and then um, after the pandemic hit, which was uh, also about three or so years later, when I decided that, okay, now I have this pink slip, uh, do I really need to find that other W2 job? And both my husband and I agreed that I did not need that. I could just concentrate on real estate in hand. Um, for me, that pink slip was a blessing in the sky. I only wish it happened sooner rather than later. Uh, but I, I am definitely enjoying this uh, entrepreneurial lifestyle now for the last two years. And I'm very, very blessed and grateful um, for what I have and for what I created uh, for my family and helping other people to create for their families because uh, uh, real estate has a ton of opportunities um, and even though it's cyclical just like the stock market um, re real estate cycles are easier to predict and real estate is um, a lot more based on a fact it's a factual um, field and that's that's one of the reasons why I like it you know be, being a numbers person and being able to see the numbers for the financial statements for the uh, properties that we're buying helps me understand um, each investment much better much easier than just looking at the stock market when I, where I look at the stock and I'm like I don't know which way it's gonna go and the example that I always like to use when I talk about stock market, uh, Edward, is you and I uh, enjoy Starbucks coffee, for instance. Yep. And if instead of drinking a cup a day, we'll start drinking three or four cups a day. Will that impact Starbucks stock? 
not at all. So that's that's the answer. Like, where is that correlation? How do you understand where the stocks are moving? There is no um, clear path for that understanding, unfortunately. Um, and that's what makes real estate different because it's a lot more predictable, if you will, and it's a lot more based on the facts, um, on the financials, the specific area you're looking at, and then um, the comes for that particular area and how the market in that particular area is performing. And that's why it's one of, real estate is one of my favorite investments. Thank you. Perfect, perfect. With the, I, I know, like, I know real estate, the only scary thing happened, it was like after like the 2008, when when I remember, like, I had some friends who like had houses where they they bought a house for like, it's worth 6,100. Like, that's the value what the, the loan they got for 600,000. And but the house after the market crashed, the house is like value was 300,000. It's like, it was just chopped half, half like the prices. It was horrible, but probably again with the with a lot of the the loan that they were being given at that time, I, I guess was part of the problem. Um, so with um, syndication, real estate syndication, real estate, right? What is that? <laughs> what exactly is? Yeah. Sure, yeah. syndication essentially is a partnership where a group of people pull their funds together to buy large commercial real estate. So what happens is uh, within that partnership, there are two subgroups. There is one subgroup of people that are passive investors. They're called limited partners. These are the people that take their money and invest in this partnership. Um, they're not liable for anything. They don't do any work. All they do is they review the investment and then decide to invest in it. And then there is another subgroup of people, which is general partners. These are the people that do all the work. They find the property, negotiate it, then buy it, then reposition it, make it look better, and pay distributions to investors. Um, and and so essentially, syndication is uh, when when there are those two subgroups where some people are completely passive, and some people are active and do all the work on behalf of those passive investors. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like, so like you're saying, it's kind of like flipping, right? So, or is it a little bit different? Like, uh, so they buy it, fix it, sell it kind of. Yeah. Flipping, flipping happens a, a lot faster. Typically uh, syndications are usually done for uh, longer term projects that happen to last uh, at least a year or more. Uh, majority that I know of have been around for roughly anywhere between three to seven years. But uh, like I said, they could run less or, or more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So talk to me, like maybe uh, give me some advice in terms of I want to get I want to buy real estate. Right. So so the idea is do I buy I want to buy them not for just just rental, but more like I want to buy them and then do like, uh, like, uh, what is it? Airbnb rental, right? So like short terms instead of me putting like a. So is it better for me because as a beginner, do I buy one family apart, like one family house, or do I buy like maybe three units, six unit kind of thing? Sure. And Edward, the answer will be it depends. I know it's not probably the answer that you're looking for, but yeah. it depends on a number of things. It depends 
on your level of expertise and you mentioned that you're a beginner it depends on how much money you're willing to spend and how much money you have for this type of investment i always always tell my investors that the rule number one only invest the money that you are specifically allocated for the investing do not touch your rainy day funds do not touch uh, the money that you have allocated maybe for student loans or other things, only whatever sum you allocated for the investment. And and uh, because everything is risky, including real estate, you're willing to lose it. So if you're not willing to lose it, then don't spend it uh, and don't invest it because, you know, everything is risky and there are no guarantees. And then if you're looking to do an Airbnb, um, I would say, it also depends where you want to do Airbnb. If you're doing it um, uh, somewhere down the shore, let's say um, in Florida, uh, where let's say it's Miami. Miami has a lot of condos. It's a lot harder to find single family house or a duplex in the area close to the beach, but it's a lot easier to find condos. So if you're doing it in that area, definitely look for a condo. But if you're doing it somewhere let's say um, in the mountains, let, let's say it's Yellowstone, Smoky Mountains, that area has a ton of houses. So I would say look for a uh, uh, house to buy and make sure that the house that you buy is reflective of the particular area and can give your uh, potential tenants the experience they're looking for. For instance, if it's in the Smoky, um, another area that I was considering looking at, uh, make sure that um, it has that wooden look inside because that's what people are looking for. They want to have the experience while uh, they're living in the area and as well as when they're going outside and going to explore the area as well. So always, always do your research as to what uh, the Airbnb users are looking for in a particular area and concentrate on buying the, the type of um, real estate property that's more common in uh, the end buyers are interested in buying so, so in a way in a way like you don't want them to just say hey we enjoy the city or whatever city they're traveling but also you want them to be like yeah we enjoyed the place where we stayed that place was real nice kind of thing yeah 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 so so edward in this case you would wear your marketing hat and you would start doing the research not only on airbnb uh booking and other travel sites have a ton of reviews trip advisor so read what people are saying where where they stay in and what they enjoy the most and if the area happens to have uh, a number of different type of properties whether it's multi-families or condos or co-ops co and so forth then then you have um, a much greater uh, options in terms of what kind of property to buy. Uh, but if the area is very focused on, let's say, condas only, then, you know, your focus should be buying a condo. And then also, if it's a condo, are you getting a condo with a view or you're just getting a condo that's conveniently lo located within a very close proximity to the place that uh, your um, buyers, will, your, your tenants will, will want to go. So all of those factors needs to be taken into consideration when you're creating this uh, requirements and you're putting your product manager hat on because you're trying to create requirements that are satisfying your end user demands. What do the end user want? They want this X, Y, and Z, and you're trying to satisfy it. Close to the beach, uh, in the shady side, 
clean and convenient, let's say. And, you know, you're looking for a property that satisfies these requirements. Can this be on the fifth floor or the second floor? Sure. Uh, will they get a better view from the fifth floor versus second floor? Absolutely. And so we, you're looking as to how much are you willing to pay Obviously, the, the higher the apartment, the better the view, the more expensive it's going to be. Are you willing to pay that extra X many thousand to get that view? Uh, or is the second floor uh, in... Will, will the second floor suffice enough to satisfy all, all your clients? So you're essentially playing that matching game, creating the requirements and matching it against what the end users want. So that's how you wear that product manager hat on. Perfect. Last question before we go. Sure. So let's say um, someone is lucky and before they buy their property, their first property, like nobody is always suggested like for, for, I guess for residential, you can do like 3% or whatever. And then uh, um, for, if it's for rental, you do like up to a 20%, I think. In it, down payment? For, yeah, for for rental, 20, 20%, right? Um, be higher, sure. Yes. So let's say you have you you have more you have fifty percent for the rental. Do you do you put the whole fifty percent, or can you just be like you know what? Because they want twenty percent, here's twenty percent. I save this money, and then in six months I would use the other twenty percent again to buy the second second uh, place. So the answer is also it depends. If you're um, uh, just a casual buyer who has uh, a couple of properties, uh, then you'll probably put more and will have to pay less in your mortgage payments. If you're a real estate investor, um, you'll try to put as little as possible down or maybe put down and then reposition the property quickly and do a cash out refi so you can pull some equity out of the property. Why? Because you want to reuse it and put it into other investments. So real estate investors, bottom line, the real estate investors try to uh, take out as much as possible or put as little as possible into the property so they can leverage the money that they have at hand to buy more properties because that's what they do day in, day out. They buy in real estate. And um, as as the real estate investors saying goes, the mine, you make the money not when you sell, you make the money when you buy because at that point you require equity. Oh, perfect. Quite, oh I, I, I said, okay, one more last question. <laughs> so, as many as you'd like. So is it better than, because I'm thinking if, if, if you're buying this real estate, then you got to go through all this, but is it better maybe to just be like, you know what? I have a hundred thousand dollars. I don't want to just put this as a deposit for a house. Why don't I just get into syndication then? Sure. Is it better that way? Or do you, like, let's say if you have a hundred thousand, I don't know how much is the minimum for, to get into the deal of syndication. Do you divide that maybe to a couple of different property or how does that work? Yeah, if you only have $100,000 to invest, then you would want to divide it uh, by at least two properties or maybe more. Syndications are different. Uh, some requires little 25,000, some may require more money to put in. Uh, but I would say if it's the only money you have for investments, then definitely split it between a couple yeah. of properties or more. So it's better to start with syndication then. Syndication um, allows you to be completely passive. If if you don't want to get involved, because even if it's a single family house and you think that the money will just start coming in, there will always be something that your tenants will call you. And that phone call may come in 
during your vacation in the middle of a night or at some other times. Uh, so if if you don't mind that, if you don't mind looking for maintenance workers and or taking care of the improvements, do it. But if your time is more valuable to you, then syndications are completely passive. There are no headaches. You put the money in and that's it. Your work is done. Perfect. Thank you so much, Alina, again, for taking the time to chat with me. And My we'll, pleasure. We'll be talking later, okay? Thank Sounds you. great. Sounds right. great. Thank you, Edmund. Thanks for inviting me. Bye-bye. Take care.